it's a test. This is an actual emergency. You might find yourself being bored and possibly annoyed, so please take the necessary precautions, because this is living large and hard. Hi there, and welcome to the Living Large and Hard podcast. Uh, not much traffic tonight for the background, um, because this is simple enough. There's not much traffic. Tonight is the Crackhead Fireballs episode. Now, this involves a crackhead and um, fireballs. My buddy, Postal Lee, who you would think from his name, freaks out a lot. But no, he never goes postal, even though he's a postal worker. I don't recall ever seeing him pissed off, except uh, there's a little bit coming up later in the story here. And um, he, he was definitely mad. Uh, we met, we've known each other for 35 years. We started uh, hanging out together when we worked at Domino's Pizza way back when, in the glory years of Domino's Pizza. And um, we really back then this guy wouldn't even swear back then and didn't drink but uh the the commonality was cars i had some old bmws he had a 67 612 porsche and a volvo some weird family it wasn't a wagon but it was a odd volvo and um so we'd wrench on cars and stuff and we hit it off. Uh, I had one Domino's where there was a fire station next door and I would go play basketball at the fire station during the Friday and Saturday rush. And um, Lee was my manager in training, my very trusted manager in training due to his competence. And if things got bad, he would uh, tell one of the drivers to drive through the parking lot and tell me to quit playing basketball and come in and do my job. So. There was that. I lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana for a while. Um, in a, in, I don't know, it was Fort Wayne. Wasn't much to do, but was the apartment was right downtown, 14th floor. Pretty cool place. Um, Lee came down from Lansing, Michigan uh, to come to a hockey game. And it was right after he got off work at the bank he was working at. So he came down in his little, uh, little man suit and got there in time for the hockey game and we hung out and then we partied all the next day and he was too fucked up to go back so he had to get up in the morning and drive back in the same clothes that he had on Saturday I believe it was and go to work that morning and one of his co-workers noticed it was the same clothes and I'm sure he looked a little disheveled um, because at, at this point he'd become a party boy, obviously. No longer the... I don't think he was swearing then, but he was definitely drinking. Um, so there's that kind of stuff. We had a trip to New York City that was pretty interesting. Um, we went... There's this place I always wanted to go in. It was... To me, it was always obviously a gay bar. There was a big red neon rooster on it, and it was never open when I was 
going past it on my way to the Mars bar, which was a notorious dive in New York. Um, graffitied, every inch of it was graffitied everywhere. And um, I bought, actually bought a piece of art off the wall one time. And I was just sitting there looking at it. And I gestured to the bar lady and said, I, I want to buy, I mean, is any of this stuff for sale? And she goes, well, which one? I went, that one. And she went down and go, let me go ask. Went down and asked the owner who was always there and said, yeah. And she goes, well, what do you want to pay for it? And I thought, oh, shit, this is, <laughs> this is the question. Everyone, you know, pretty much anyone who makes anything has an idea in their head of what it would cost and it's usually more than most people would pay and I figure this is New York City so it's going to be ridiculous and then I went oh fuck it's the Mars bar I said 200 bucks so she went down again talked to the guy the owner he said yeah sure so I ended up with a with a piece of art from the Mars bar for a couple hundred bucks rode back on the bus later to Allentown proudly holding it um anyway on the way to the Mars bar is this place with the red neon rooster and I go that's got to be a gay bar it's got to be the cock even though I didn't know it was the cock or a gay bar but it was never open but the time that Lee and I were knocking around it actually was I went up and grabbed the handle and it actually was open and I went in and there were these oversized posters warning about the dangers of drinking while pregnant and I go yeah it's definitely a gay bar but there was nobody there uh, it looked like a typical dive bar with the lights up and had uh, you know just a place you would really not want to be at but nobody was there but everything was open and the lights were on so I don't know why the door was open anyway nothing happened with that but we went to a place called the Sly Fox which was a Ukrainian bar and uh, the bar keep there her name was Arena because I'd been there many times and we knew each other a bit, but I called her Iridium. And she uh, said, why you call me Iridium is like Chernobyl. And I went, yeah, man, you're Ukrainian. What the fuck you want? And uh, somewhere across the street from there was uh, a bar. And you went and you went downstairs below street level. And um, it was narrow. It was cozy. Uh, the beer tenders took a shining to Lee. They really hit it off. Um, maybe he'll put something in the comments about why. I think it had something to do with football, but I'm not really, I don't remember anymore. Um, and we were there for a bit, and then we got back, went back to the hotel, and Lee's like, I really want to go back to that place. And I go, dude, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it really existed. <laughs> I always call those Brigadoon bars. They would uh, magically appear. Wow, they were all in. Uh, they would magically appear, and then you'd never find them again. And that was a Brigadoon bar. We went back, and I go, oh, there's the Mishlatka, there's the Sly Fox. I said, it should be here. And he goes, yeah, we crossed the street. I'm like, yep, go ahead. And we found a bar that pretty much matched it, and we went down the stairs and went in. And they were just setting up. The guy wasn't happy to see us at all. We had a couple of beers. And I go, this it? It's not it, is it? He goes, no. And I went, yep, Brigadoon Barbro. Um, also, our hotel was the 
America, which I loved staying at. It was, um, God, I can't think of the name of it. Oh, the Carter. Yeah, you could get a room for 99 bucks online. And that uh, had, for security, screens, which never worked. It was the kind of TV, the curved glass, cathode ray. But when you, when it was turned off, which you always were, which I just said, they would turn green. <laughs> so it was, had a lot of that. There was a, a card table set up in the front that said security table. So my thing was, you know, no matter what's happening outside, like you're getting mugged or someone wants to kill you, you run in, you touch the security table. Shit's good. Um, only one of the two elevators ever ran. I was in there one time, I called the Vampire Suite, because someone had ripped the mirror, the door off the uh, medicine cabinet, and there was no other mirror in the place. Um, I think most of the rooms didn't have any shades on the lights. I was in another room, and it was January, but it was hot as fuck in there. So I um, went to turn the AC on, the AC was not turned on because, well, it was winter, but it wouldn't go on because it wasn't plugged in. And it wasn't plugged into the like uh, $4.99 extension cord with the multiple heads on it. So I plugged it into that, turned that on, and looking out the window was a um, typical New York air shaft, but you look down, there were shoes, there was a smash TV. Oh, the fucking Carter was the best. Uh, and <laughs> in the Vampire Suite, actually, I opened the very spacious closet and there was a, a cute little sweater um, way too petite for me but charming nonetheless and I actually got the fucking vampire suite twice in a row I have no idea how that happened ended up in the exact same room this thing was huge um, so anyway Lee and I were staying in the dirtiest hotel in America that was according to TripAdvisor four years running and um there was a deli in the at ground level before you went up the half step to the security desk and into the very angry. If it was the lady that owned it, she was always pissed off, which was entertaining in itself. Um, so we had gotten some food, which seemed like a good idea at 4.15 in the morning or whatever the fuck it was. And so I never, ever slap under the covers at the, at the Carter. Um, but I woke up. Those of you who have been around me in my drinking days know that sleep was something that um, was fleeting at best. I rarely slept. I would, you know, pass out for a while and then be right back at it early in the morning. Um, so I got up and there's a sandwich on the nightstand. So that became the alarm sandwich. So I took the what is in my mind now, the alarm sandwich, and tossed it over at Lee, who's sleeping in the other bed. And this would be the only time I ever saw a postal ego postal. Man, that motherfucker. <laughs> he got up, spun around, took that sandwich, and hurled it at me. And he's a pretty good ball player, as in baseball, softball. And man, that thing came at me with some alacrity. And um, yeah, it was, it was startling. But that's the only time I've seen him mad. Um, on this trip, the best part of this trip to New York was hanging out with Spider-Man. We were at Red Rocks West, uh, 
interesting bar in itself. Kind of place where the um, beer tenders would get up on on the bar and go down and, and kick bottles off while she's pretending to be Slash doing a Guns N' Roses song. That kind of stuff. And beating a guy with his belt and then spitting a shot in his mouth for his birthday. So we're in there and the bartender goes, hey, Spider-Man. And we look and there's Spider-Man at the door. And Spider-Man comes in, says hi, and he's just chit-chatting. And he goes, you guys want to go for a ride? And we're like, yeah, duh, Spider-Man. Of course we're going to go for a ride. And we go outside and there's a rickshaw. So we get in the rick. He goes, I don't want money or anything, man. Just, I don't want money. This, it's cool. So I went, all right, whatever. And, you know, why does Spider-Man need money anyway? And we get in the rickshaw and he crouches down. He's the cops, man. The cops are down there. And what just makes it even better. What the fuck? So Spider-Man can't pull his rickshaw if the cops are around? Really? The web-slinging do-gooder is afraid of the cops because he's going to pull a rickshaw? Awesome. So the police presence leaves and then he takes off in the rickshaw. And what he would do is, Lee may have footage of this. Um, he may have the video because they, they took Lee's camera and had a, a mount on it. And then it, I don't recall if we ever, if it ever worked out. Anyway, uh, he would get going really fast and then he'd stop and put the back end down and spin the thing. So you're facing up in the air and he would spin perpendicular to the ground with the rickshaw while you're facing up. So it looked like he was flying kind of facing you and he would run up walls a little bit with the rickshaw and things like that. So that was cool. And I said, um, thanks Spider-Man. And, uh, when you're done, come on in and buy a beer. So Spider-Man drinks Budweiser, by the way. Um, Lee and I also, in our extreme poverty, but inventiveness, we invented a game called Roofball. And I'm not, this was at his place in Michigan. I'm not real sure of the rules or the scoring, but it became quite, as any of these made-up games, became quite arcane. It had, you had to stand where you couldn't see up on the roof of the house. It was a one, like, one and a half story, two story. I don't know, it was a fucking long time ago. And we may have been drinking. And you threw the ball up, and then you really didn't have any time to react as it came down. And then there was points, whether it was on a one-bounce catch or a two-bounce catch, or, you know, you got more points if you caught it in the air, that kind of thing. Um, also, uh, this is leading up to where I lived, Regency Towers, here in Allentown. 11th floor. It was, it was a decent apartment. I mean, nice views of downtown. It was right on 15th Street, which for you, those of you who listen in Sweden and California, well, you've and places like that. It means nothing. But you had a great view of downtown and the mountains in the distance and that kind of shit. So what we did, uh, Lee was out visiting with his family and we left Regency Towers and went for a little walk. And the walk entailed hitting, I think we hit four or five bars. 
but you can, I mean, you could see every single one of them from the vantage point of Regency Towers because I lived on the top floor. And we also had his five-year-old son along with us, which became an educational experience for him and also uh, helped his self-esteem a lot because he was our point man. So he was in charge of getting us, a, we, weren't, we weren't wasted at all. But uh, he became the point man. He was in charge of getting us, uh, checking each corner to make sure that we were cleared to cross and that kind of stuff. And he would also, when we get to the bar, he was the point man leading us into the bar. And there was one, <laughs> it, was, it was really busy. But you could see everybody part as this five-year-old leads us through. I don't think we even stopped that one because it was too busy. We went in the front and out the back. So you kind of get the idea that Lee and I headed off. So on this trip with the point man, he had brought out a, um, a, some scrap plywood and a canvas thing because I had a chiminea on the balcony. And um, it was great. You'd sit up there, you could look over Allentown, like I said, look off in the distance, see the mountains 15, 16, 17 miles away, that kind of stuff. Um, so he brought that down to burn the chiminea. Now the chiminea was got to work out on one time on the Fourth of July. I would have these Fourth of July parties because you could see in the stadium, not too far away, where the city of Allentown would shoot their fireworks off. You could actually see the color guard when they threw their flags when they had um, drum corps. You could see the flags flipping up in the air from the apartment down in the stadium. So this one time. Um, one of those Fourth of July parties. Also, there was a the pool was down half a building length. It was elevated over the parking lot. It was cool because if you're at the pool, you'd see trees, you'd see downtown, you'd see the building. And if a truck went by, this, the pool was elevated over the parking lot and it would shake. So that was entertaining in its own vibracious way. Um, so what we do is throw golf balls into the pool from the 11th floor and um, get just bunches of shag balls, you know, cheap from a driving range and go there and throw it and it would be dark so it would disappear. And then there'd be lights around the pool and in the pool. So you'd throw it, click. You'd see it pop into the light and pop back up and then in the water and that was great fun oh my god I loved it and then they would there was a guy who actually was the first one he said I can throw it in the pool I mean this is fucking 200 feet something like that it was a hell of a toss man it was just a golf ball too and like a baseball and then yeah he fires one I'm like oh shit and it didn't hear anything and then splash it comes out of the dark just splash there it is and um, a couple of them wouldn't make because there was a lot of us and a lot of different skill levels and strength levels. Sometimes it wouldn't make it to the pool deck and it would get underneath the pool deck where there were cars parked in here. You wouldn't see anything in the light. You would just hear click, bang. Like it'd go click, hit the concrete and hit the concrete under the, the, the pool and maybe the pool itself, which was metal, and then bounce back down and sometimes carry them off a car. I know, childish shit. 
but oh, it was fucking fun. Yeah, we shot a bottle. Of, we shot a uh, what was it? Roman candle. That was a big bottle rocket. There was a cop at the turning onto a road down below, and it got nowhere near. But anyway, back to the chimney. So there's this time we were sitting around after that party, or yeah, so it was still during the party because it wasn't after the party because we were still partying, and there was a whole bunch of bottle rockets. So what I did was I snapped off the uh, stick part and I threw them all in the chimney, which was lit. And then I went, oh, that was the fucking dumbest thing because we're sitting on a balcony with this chimney pointing at us with 50 bottle rockets in it. So then what I did is I grabbed the top of the, uh, the little Weber grill, the little two-person Weber, and stuck it over the hole. And then they started... Some of them shot out of the top. Some of them you hear ping, they'd be banging off the, off the lid. And then, you know, having a great time laughing and stuff. And I went, oh, fuck. Because they'd stopped. And someone goes, what? And I go, I didn't fucking count them. Did you? No. So we had no idea if that was the end of it or not. And it was not. And, yeah. So occasionally, for a bit of time after that, one would come you'd hear a sizzle and everybody would, you know, turn away and the thing would come flipping out of there and it had no uh, stability because I'd snapped off the uh, the stick on the back that you stick in the bottle. So that, there's a little chimney uh, digression. Anyway, getting back to Postal Lee and I and the crackhead fireballs, there was a guy on the ninth floor. I lived on the 11th and he, he constantly, he would be out on his balcony in a clockwork manner and smoking smoking rock you could smell it and it was you know you hear the door bang and then you'd smell it and then a couple hours bang you hear the door and smell it and he had um, home remodeling business or some shit so he had a box truck and he had all these ladders on top and as the crack habit went on there was less and less ladders because he was hawking them that kind of shit so Lee and I are up there um I don't know if this was after the bar crawl with our point man or whatever. It's, it's irrelevant at this point. And we're up there, and then I hear the clanging of the box truck with the remaining ladder or two on top. And I go, there's that fucking crackhead. And we have a chimney full of um, burning two-by-four scraps. And I go, yeah, let's, let's toss some of this shit down on him. And Lee, you know... It, thought it was a good idea too so don't hold me fully accountable um, I could have been stopped by a cooler head but unfortunately a cooler head was not to be found so um, he pulls the truck in and parks it in the same place which was not far from directly below where we were so we got the little shovel thing out I think we had to, have to I don't know I don't know how the fuck we did it but we got the um, some of the flaming plywood out and rained it down upon his box truck. Little did we know that he hadn't quite left the scene yet. So, <laughs> so yeah, he took off running. Um, and even from uh, from the back of the building, it was thirteen floors up. You could tell he was uh, he was a little alarmed by the whole situation. So yeah, we, we tossed a bunch of that shit down. Not a hell of a lot, but I mean, it's flaming flaming plywood from 13 floors up. 
landing on somebody's truck, you don't really need a lot of it to make an impact. So the next day, uh, the chimney had collapsed, broken in on itself. We got it so fucking hot that it broke. And um, the manager came up, the super, and knocked on the door and asked, you know, what we've been up to and did we throw anything off the balcony, anything that was on fire? No, of course not. Wouldn't do that. Who would do such a thing? Yeah, okay. So there's uh, some of the stuff that crack, uh, crack, <laughs> crack Adley. Now I got him confused with uh, someone else. Uh, the crack on the ninth floor. That's what I got him confused with. Anyway, that's some of the stuff that Postal Lee and I got up to. And um, now you know the origin of the title, Crackhead Fireballs. And as always, you can subscribe to this mess on iTunes. You can follow along on SoundCloud. It's on Stitcher, uh, Facebook, Mike or Max Marvin. I put a link up every time one goes up on Saturday. Occasional bonus one. Um, also, a lot of you are on my subscription service, which means I get up Saturday and send out um, Facebook messages and texts. So, until next time, let's listen to some traffic. High above 309 here at the Skybox, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Not a lot of traffic to hear because we're still in lockdown with coronavirus. But, until next time.